Hi there, welcome to the Culture of Life podcast of Human Life International. I'm Tad Wojcik, the Mission Research Specialist, and this is Father Shannon Bouquet. Um, let's get started. Today we'll be talking about um, children and the meaningful life. You've written a few articles about this, uh, well, probably several articles about this over the years, um, but at least in the last year, a few articles. And, and the issue is on birth rates, having children, marriage, family, it's sort of a larger issue. And, and um, I was just wondering, Father, if you could describe to us the situation um, with respect to birth and birth rates in the U.S. and in other Western countries. Sure. You know, so Tad, good to be with you again. And so, you know, it's good for us to always bring these conversations up, you know, often because, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. And, you know, and I think most people in the United States don't realize the situation that we as citizens of this country are currently in. And that is the, uh, the uh, birth rate is very low and we're not replacing ourselves. So, so basically that would mean that if we look at the total fertility rate, which is the average, uh, the, the woman of the average number of children she can have in, in her own lifetime. And that's, so that average that's there, you know, right now is about 1.6 in the United States. And so we basically need 2.1. Now people are probably going, okay, right, the replacement. 2.1, the replacement. But really, what that means is is three children. You know, yeah. you're, what you're looking at is that the average family, you know, would have three children. Because if you only replace yourself, right. you're not adding to the mix, mm -hmm. if you will. You're not adding. So that's why we see that that quote two point. You know, so that you uh, realize that we want to increase the population. Right. Replacement rate is not ideal, right? That's no, just by like any means. No, no, I'm not promoting that by any rate, means, right. right? Exactly. So, you know, and uh, coming from very large families, you know, and and and, and so obviously we want to see the that couples be open to life. That number, not the number that's the issue, but it's important to look at the numbers mm -hmm. to see where we currently are. Mm -hmm. And for any who anyone that's been in our conversation on the life and family issues realizes that the uh, birth rates and the total fertility rates have been well down across the planet, you know, and the numbers are very low. And it's been, people have, you know, spoke about the demographic winter, you know, the demographic bomb, and, you know, from, you know, uh, not only from our spiritual side that we as Catholics would be talking about with regard to the sanctity of marriage, the conjugal act, the fruitfulness of marriage, the openness of marriage to mm -hmm. children, you know, but then you have the other side of the equation, which is also that practical, you know, side of it is that lower population, what are the consequences of that? What happens, you know, if we, if we reach a, a point where we are well below, you know, the replacement level. How does this impact our social services, our healthcare services? How does it impact, you know, the issue of, of social uh, of social security? And here in the United States, if you're in a country where it's socialized medicine, you know, uh, socialism, how do you fund all this? Where does this money come from? You know, and for us here in, in our system, obviously taxes, you know, is one way of, the major way of receiving a, a revenue to support the various programs. Well, that's taxed on individuals who are working individuals. Right, it's based so on posterity. You, the future exactly. is posterity. So you just got to look at these numbers and realize that there's something wrong here. Something, and the consequences of those numbers are, can be, are very dire. Mm -hmm. And we're not pessimist here, but at the same time, we recognize that there is a reality. Mm -hmm. And if we continue down this path, that it, the danger is not only both spiritual, it's also you know economic, it's physical, and we need to really be honest with this. And so that's kind of why I keep this conversation right. going, 
so that people really take, take onus of it and, and realize what's happening. And, and for any of us who have been in this for a long time, you know, we know. We've got to just look around our neighborhoods. You know, I was, when I was home for Christmas of recent, you know, I grew up in neighborhoods where, you, you know, all you saw was children. And I know the technology's changed. There's more inside games now and so forth. But, you know, to not hear children playing outside, not to hear, and, you know, we weren't uh, icebound or snowbound. There was no storm outside. Right. It was just a normal, you know, Louisiana day, you know, a little warm, unusual for winter, but no children. You know, it, it's so sad to see. And, and, you know, and, and I think it's, you know, the, the, the family values, the, the beauty of family life, the beauty of children, the, the wonder of children, the awe of children, the narrative of our country and the narrative of our world today is, you know, is, is really an anti-child mm -hmm. narrative. It's, you know, children are burdensome, they're costly, you know, they're inconvenient. And, you know, mm -hmm. so this is what we're all up against. So the numbers really tell us of something much, uh, something underneath the number. What's what's driving those numbers? What's causing those numbers? So it's good to, to talk about this, you know, uh, you know, periodically. And as I do, as you said, I try to make it part of a conversation as much as I can. A few, a few times a year, at least. Um, so you mentioned that currently in the U.S., at least, um, it's probably, I would think, worse in in, in Western developed countries and also in China. Uh, and Russia is awful, I know there, but the number um, 1.6, which is, you know, that's five uh, points below right. 2.1 replacement rate, which, like we said, is not ideal. That's just right. the minimum that you would need to replace the current population. Exactly. Um, uh, last November, in your article, uh, Children in a Meaningful Life, you mentioned that a poll from the Pew Research uh, Group said that 44% of non-parents say it's not too likely. Right. quote, not too likely that they're going to have kids um, or not at all likely. Um, so that's up from 2018 when it was 37%. Um, so that's still a minority, but it's a huge minority. I mean, um, and uh, among those who are having children, we can assume they're probably not having very many, one or two maybe. So um, I guess the question is from like a, a cultural commentary standpoint, um, what can you say, Father, about how it's come to this point? And you know, as you ask, basically the question is, why don't people want kids? Right. Well, and I think that's important to add, you know, and for us and our audience to, nothing happens overnight and nothing occurs in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So what we're experiencing now is now decades of this narrative, you know, and the narrative, you know, maybe didn't start out directly, you know, with, mm -hmm. you know, uh, oh, you know, shouldn't have so many children. A good friend of mine, you know, who is, uh, he and his wife were fortunate in the sense of being blessed with a large family. And, you know, not, not long ago, they were in the grocery store together as a whole family, which is not always easy, you know, getting all the kids together. So it's, most of them, they're separate. This was the first time that this particular cashier sees them all together mm -hmm. and made a really very disrespectful comment, mm -hmm. you know, to them. You know, you, you know, basically giving the, uh, the, not giving the impression, but just basically saying, you know, your large family is part of the problem of our, uh, you, you, about affecting our culture, affecting our climate, affecting our environment. And so basically your footprint's too big. Mm -hmm. And this is what you, people hear, and this is what people believe. And, and what the Pew Sitter really does by its numbers, it kind of exposes, you know, in other surveys of why people kind of feel the way they feel. But we shouldn't just look at it as, oh, that's what we feel today. Like I said, you just quoted a number just a few years before, and the number was at thir in the 30s. Now we're in the 40s. 
you know, which means this trend, if we do it another, another five or 10 years out, we'll see where the numbers are in the 50s. Could be in the 60s, because it's just really working very quickly. So all this began with, you know, obviously, you know, the sexual revolution. It began with modernism. It mm -hmm. began, you know, with Western values that, you know, really were more consumeristic culture, you know, commodifying everything. Everything's a commodity. You know, you're happier if you have a bigger house, if you're happier if you have a, no more cars. All these things are values that people begin to want and desire, and these become the, the meaning and the purpose of their direction. And so as a consequence, you know, the values of family life, which requires a tremendous amount of sacrifice of husband and wife, you know, to raise a family, to, uh, to, uh, uh, to care for their family, to house, to feed, to shelter, to, to provide, you know, and uh, these require sacrifices of husbands and wives. And that in itself is not a value that today is being promoted. Right. And so, so what you have now is a different set of values. So this has all been stewing, you know, for a long time and each kind of adding to the pot as each kind of new generation comes forward. And we cannot ignore the fact of the influence of social media. We cannot ignore the, the fact of uh, the government itself. We cannot ignore uh, the whole contraceptive uh, mentality in uh, industry. That's what I was going to say, the that word, the, the, that phrase, contraceptive mentality, I've heard that that's used right. before and it seems like it's the... It's the nature because the, the whole idea of not having children is completely of course it was unthinkable to anyone or, or having few children is unthinkable to any right. kind of uh, marriage relationship before basically 1960 or well, we know earlier. that contraception has been with us you know for, for centuries right. in the sense of the of its use and its application mm -hmm. but to see today where obviously with the uh, the development of technology, its availability, its, its, its readiness, and the whole uh, feeding of that industry. But and I think also maybe the, the desire or at oh. least a kind of acceptance of it by most people. Right, uh, right. Really at this point, Catholics are the only major group that you can label that doesn't, Correct. doesn't I mean, sure there are other small Protestant groups, but pr pretty much it's religious Catholics, because there are plenty of Catholics who are, are not you know, in agreement with this teaching, Correct. but observant Catholics who, that is the only population that is you know, not thinking about, or kind of taking contraception as, as a baseline or taking right. it for granted. And that's where people go back to Paul VI and obviously Humanae Vitae, mm -hmm. you know, which really was about family life. He was promoting a good, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and people were thinking that the church would, would change you know, quote, her teaching, which obviously she could not do, and he says this. And so, but you're absolutely right, Tad. I mean, this, this mentality, Father Marx talked about this so often. I remember in 1979 when Father Marx, and I know we can take a little sidetrack just for a second. Sure, but yeah. In 1979 when Father Marx was visiting with now St. John Paul II, mm -hmm. and Father Marx was speaking about this, and he just really went through a litany, you know, so when you have this contraceptive mentality, what flows is the abortion mentality, and from abortion, all this contraceptive mentality we, we will lead to issues of homosexuality, in other words, the assault on marriage between one man and one woman. The conjugal act becomes assaulted itself, obviously, through contraception and through this mentality. Uh, the rupture uh, of, uh, of the union of husband and wife and, and, it's open, and their openness to human life. And we'll see also euthanasia. And, this, and he just went through a litany. And this is when John Paul really said to Father Marx that if you, if you were to take this message, take this truth, and you bring it around the world, then you will be doing the most important work on earth. You know, and so, so when you think about that, what John Paul was affirming, obviously, is the perennial teaching of the church, this, mm -hmm. this constant teaching about the dignity of marriage, the beauty and dignity of the conjugal act, and the, the ends of, 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 of marriage, and how is this promoted. But again, 
we're in a culture where now we, we have just, as you said, the mindset, the saturation of a contraceptive mentality. We have the saturation of a perverse abuse of the gift of human sexuality, you know, uh, where, where sex is really seen, you know, really as almost uh, an entertainment, uh, you know, just a, a daily yeah, way I've of life. I've heard of it described by some people with this, um, in describing their former view before a conversion, actually, that, that it was a, it's like a two-player sport. A recreation, uh, yeah, right, mm -hmm. right, and so you so you have that, and then then you start adding all the other complexities to it, and you know, and so the narrative. I mean, look look within our industry today, the social media. Look in movies. Look in how that you know, kind of you look on the back of people's cars, and you'll see just two little stickers. You know, the husband and wife, and you'll see a, a pet. You know, you don't see a child. You don't mm -hmm. see, and and so what happens is this just further advances a narrative. And so here we are where these numbers are really telling us that it's worked. Now, you brought up China, so since you did that, I'll take a moment and just kind sure. of talk about that. Because and we'll have a chance maybe later on in one of the articles I wrote on this specifically, that China's number, not much better, but it's 1.65. Oh. And people say, wait a minute, how can China be a little better than the numbers here in the United States when it has a totalitarian system it actually enforces one child policy now people two child and so through well, vouchers it's changed three, to three, pile, but it's all, it's, three child right, policy right? but it's all vouchers it's all based the government gives you permission to have children now mm -hmm. so think about all that but yeah. what the government of china didn't realize is that they would create in a culture mm -hmm. and now they no longer have to worry about those uh, basically enforcing because it's just accepted. They got to go the other way around. Now, now they're trying to, two, that's three, why you see the changes, but it's not working yeah. because the mentality is so entrenched. They created a culture. Now let's come to the states. Well, we don't have the government directly telling us how many children to have. Mm -hmm. There are no vouchers for children, you know, that, you know, you get one, I get two, you get three, whatever it may be, you know, but yet we have sunk below China. And that tells you, you know, that the narrative has really found its mark. And, and so until we, we, we not, those are what these numbers are telling. They're very telling. And, and we should not, you know, and, and it's in, that's what I like when people start talking about them because it makes a conversation occur. So let's pause for a second. There are many couples, you know, that, that uh, struggle to have children. And so let's make sure we, we kind of look at this. And sometimes, you know, in the pro-life movement, you know, people can leap to, to an uh, to assumption, right. and we need to really pause. There are many couples mm -hmm. who are so open to children, want to have children, struggle with infertility, uh, and, so, and, and so we don't see uh, them. And, and that's something I've seen many doctors and many people now addressing. What's causing that? We see a, really a rise in the number of cases of infertility. That's another conversation, but, but it does show you, you know, what's happened, you know, uh, that, uh, that we, we have these, these um, difficulties within our culture. And so I want to be paused because we shouldn't ever leap that when we see a couple that doesn't have children, oh, they're, they're, they must be contracepting, you know, well, that may, it may be completely untrue. And so that's why we should never make any judgments and any assumption. But at the same time, we need to have this kind of conversation right. because, you know, we need to talk about you know, the marital uh, 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 
the conjugal act and the marital embrace and talk about all this. Right, and so, one, of the, one of the promises of marriage is that it will be fecund, right? So meaning having children be fruitful. Right, right. right. Yeah. Well, the command of the Lord. So I mean, it's, but it's also just the, the idea that you know, many people are afraid to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes pastors and priests, and you know, this is a difficult conversation because the culture has been so strong that if Father gets up and talks about this and just, just generally talks about, you know, openness to human life and, and addresses the contraceptive mentality, mm -hmm. he might find himself, you know, uh, you know uh, assaulted and uh, uh, people speaking ill of him, letters to the bishop, you know, how dare you talk about this. But this is a truth mm -hmm. that needs to be spoken of. It needs to be talked about. And, and, and not, you know, once, once a year. You know, on, on marriage, uh, when we have the, the, the week dedicated to the promotion of marriage, or whatever they call those uh, uh, Sundays when they have a little theme attached mm -hmm, to them. Mm -hmm. You know, it should be a consistent teaching, a constant teaching. And we need to work with young adults, you know, and, and help them, you know, to understand if they're called to the marital life, what the meaning. So there's so many things those numbers, Tad, are yeah. telling us. Right. And, and that's why I'm, I'm spending so much time with it and, you know, to, to pause, to look at them so that we can learn how, what, what can we learn from them and then what can we do to address them? Because we're not going to change those numbers overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to miraculously, you know, uh, shift the pendulum, you know, just because we have this wonderful uh, podcast and uh, people are going to hurt listening. I, I would love to see that, but, but, we, but we need to carry that narrative to a larger audience and we need to bring it to bear on the larger, what I would call the pulpit, the larger platform of the church right. and, and, and talk about this. That's, that's exactly right. Right on the money, Father. Thank you. And, um, and that's why you, you've made this a priority in, in your own writing and, and speaking. But um, as far as, uh, as, the, as the larger picture of, of the kind of question of marriage and, and human sexuality, we, we talk about kind of this, this <laughs> it's even this phrase itself is kind of um, a byproduct of the contraceptive mentality, the decision, quote, decision to have kids, right? It, you know, it used to not be um, a decision, or the decision was based on, um, you know, abstinence or engaging in sexual activity with your spouse. Um, but uh, the, um, this idea of sex as pleasure alone, mm. right, and not as having responsibility right. uh, attached to it or, or any other meaning, um, in a certain sense that itself is kind of a falsehood, right, because mm -hmm. that's like saying children um, are opposed to, to pleasure, right. right? Why would sex as pleasure preclude children in the first right. place, right? I mean, we children are, are some of the most uh, wonderful, pleasant people to be around. Um, well, think of it this way. Like one doctor says so beautifully, you know, the, the, the gift of sexual expression between husband and wife, that is where and only where mm -hmm. this full gift of self mm -hmm. is meant to be shared and lived and expressed. So that's the first thing. Now that goes against the narrative right there. Right. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, so that's step one. That immediately I would get uh, you know nailed to the wall for that. Right. But that is the truth. And so as one doctor that always says that the, the gift of sexual expression between husband and wife in the conjugal act is about bonding and babies. <laughs> Double B. Bonding and babies. And, and if we keep that in mind, you know, that it's, it's not, one is not opposed to the other. And so that the realization is that this beautiful expression of love between husband and wife, always open, mm -hmm. always open and receptive to the gift of life, you know, you know is, is that's always present. It's never not to be present. 
And so in these moments of, 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 of life and love between husband and wife, it is always meant to be a welcoming environment, an open environment, a receptive environment, to be open to God's will for them and for them to open themselves to this wonderful gift and expression, the fruit of their love, mm -hmm. a child that may be begotten in that moment, not created in the sense of, you know, how we today, sadly, in our culture, you know, a child is, is, is begotten and Right, there's no engendered. such, no such uh, thing as a planned parenthood in that sense, right? Right, right. It really is about this openness. And, and again, this is a narrative that we're not speaking of, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, that's why it's so important for us who are working with young couples, working with young adults, who are believing they have a vocation to married life, that these are the things we should be talking about and mm -hmm. informing and catechizing. And again, we cannot deny, you know, Tad, that, that the, 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 the family life of so many people today have been so impacted by the secular vision so that today we have broken families, we have separated families, we have divorce that's caused its difficulty in family life. So, so many of our young people today are being influenced, coming from, you know, good family background, but yet broken families, wounded families, and all that affects. I think even families that have a f smaller uh, number of children, um, Correct. Uh, because, you know, as St. John Paul II said, I don't remember where he said this, but he said the greatest gift uh, parents can give to their children is siblings, brothers right. and sisters, right? right? right. Um, and and that's that's about that openness and receptivity. It is the challenge. It is, and, and just to have this kind of conversation gives the impression, you know, that we're trying to tell people how many children. Mm -hmm. There's been no number, just other than we're talking about a fertility a rate, rate and a replacement rate. But that's a scientific Exactly. Question. What we're talking about is what are the ends of marriage? What is the meaningful purpose of the conjugal act? What is all this about? And these are the things that are not being discussed and, and talked about, obviously, on in any social media platform, uh, uh, other than this, these kinds of platforms in, in Catholic uh, faith and our evangelical brothers and sisters that are trying to promote the values of the natural family. So, you know, Catholics are not alone in this, obviously, but as you said very, very accurately, that we are primarily the only one addressing the contraceptive issue. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that, that's important for us as Catholics not to be ashamed of. We should not be afraid of speaking out and speaking to these issues. And this is what's going to help those numbers, you know, because one of the things that numbers also reveals, Tad, is the fear that couples have, right. that the fear of having a child. Now, some would, you know, some of the, uh, the, the surveys tried to, you know, kind of give the impression that people are concerned about climate change and so forth. Some surveys will show numbers, obviously, but really the, the, the dominant issue is the fact of fear financial concerns, a fear of, you know, of raising a child, fear of the consequences of fear raising of a child. Fear of the responsibility and the commitment. So, but, but you know, I, I purposely, and I'm, I'm going to turn my page because I want to pull this quote, you know, from Viktor Frankl. That's right. You know, which I think is such a powerful one. And he says, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. So think about that. So the idea what, what Frankl is talking about is that you know, when, you, when a couple enters into marriage, they are opening themselves to the full spectrum of what married life is. Mm -hmm. There's a why, there's a, there's, a, there's a reason, there's a meaningful purpose of why a man and a woman wed and exchange their vows and promise to each other a lifetime of journey and of gift of self to each other and the openness to children. And, and that in itself comes with all of the demands you know, 
for any of us and knows full well that living our daily vocation comes with its, its beauty and it comes with its challenges. But because there's a value that is important to us, we embrace it all. We welcome it, the ups and the downs, the joys and the pains, right. and the demands and the sacrifices. And, and this is something that goes against the narrative, right? It goes against the narrative says, you know, uh, have everything you can. Be happy, you know, don't let anything get in the way of your happiness. Well, it, it even says that uh, the, it's, uh, it's kind of common in these, in these questions, but it's, a, it's another um, sort of value switch. It's the responsible thing is to not have children rather than to have children, to right. be open to children. Correct. Um, That's right. That's all. The responsibility of sexuality is openness right. to life and right. uh, to, to obviously to the spouse. Exactly. But, and why that other narrative is there is because you have a different vision. There's a different viewpoint mm -hmm. about life, the value of life, mm -hmm. the meaningfulness of life, the purpose of life. There's a different value about the human, human dignity. There's a different value of being promoted by a secular mentality and culture that, that sees marriage in a very different vein, you know, a very different view, sees family life itself. I mean, today, you know, the difficulty, again, because of our culture, you have people redefining marriage, mm -hmm. redefining family. So today, if you open up secular textbooks, you open up, you know, school books that parents are, may not even be aware their children are or being indoctrinated with. Dictionaries. dictionaries. I mean, you get this, now this full kind of open openness to any definition. So you could have, you know, where two men now are a family, two women are the family, you know, uh, the single home today, and, and not because of, of being abandoned, but because they choose the single life, and mm -hmm. but still have children. And so you, all these dynamics are in there. And so all of our young and youth are growing in this environment. Yeah. And obviously the indoctrination that comes from, again, from social media, from uh, universities, colleges, schools. This is why what we're doing today really is maybe even considered, you know, down the road hate speech. You can be considered, you know, disrespectful. You're discriminating. You're, but, but the idea that we're promoting here is a, a good. Mm -hmm. A good that was a good a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, and will be a good tomorrow in the years ahead. Mm -hmm. Whether people recognize it, but that's where we're here. We're mm -hmm. we're here because we're 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 wanting to raise the good, mm -hmm. put the good before us to consider, to look at, mm -hmm. to gaze upon, and, and we're, we're really shining a light on the the awesome power exactly. of 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 human love and sexuality and the right. responsibility, like St. John Paul II's famous um, book, Love and Responsibility. Right. Um, it's not about a question of denigrating, um, you know, in as much as other things are, are, are evil, we can, we can denounce them, but right. that's not the point. The point right. is to, you know, promote what is good. wholesome, good, good, holy. True. As Catholics. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's what I love about, with the church in that, you know, sometimes in interviews I'm often told, well, the church is always talking against something. No, actually, we're talking for something. Mm -hmm. We're trying to promote the good. What promotes real, genuine human flourishing? And, and, and so that's the conversation. And, and again, when people are, are not hearing that narrative, but only hear one narrative, it's a very difficult. So, but again, I, I think that what's important and what I bring up in the, in the article is, you know, when people hear like Pope Francis talk about, you know, he says, not having children is a selfish choice. This is back in 2015. Mm -hmm. You know, just me saying that if I got onto a radio program and it was an open mic, let's just say people can call in, 
I mean, you know, even Catholic radio reaches an audience that's not, not just Catholic. And I've, I've been in those moments. And, and you say something like this, like this quote, and, and people immediately take offense to it. But if we only stop and pause and, and look at the, the, what we are saying across the board, whether we're dealing with, you know, uh, the issue of uh, openness to human life, the beauty of, of conjugal love, or whether we're talking about the issue of euthanasia, abortion, the issue of uh, physician-assisted suicide, all the things that are in our, we're dealing with today, it all comes back down to what is the value that we are, we are promoting? What is the good that we're advancing? And, and so here what Pope Francis is just saying is, is, a, is a truth that you know, to, to purposely, purposely to intend not to open oneself to human life, to intend that, to purposely do that is a selfish act. You know, and, and that, that is to say, while also simultaneously expecting the physical reward of, of, of sexual satisfaction. Right, right, exactly. Right. So it's it's because um, abstinence it, is a difficult choice, right? Exactly, exactly. And so, the, but but when we hear that, it, it's it's almost it's immediately uh, people are, are you know insulted by that, mm -hmm. and instead of saying, what, why is he saying it? Why would he have the? Mm -hmm. Why would he want to say that? What is right. it? And that goes back to Paul the sixth. You know, in many ways, in humanae vitae, you know, talking about something that has always been a good marriage, the ends of marriage, the conjugal act, mm -hmm. and, to, and to talk about it in such a manner that really elevates the beauty of what marriage is. You talked about that, that doctor, a friend of yours, who said bonding in babies, that's kind of a, a slangy way of, of putting the, the procreative and the unitive functions exactly. of, of, of exactly. marriage. Bonding in babies. I actually I've started incorporated that. I, I like that phrase. Actually, it's, I think it's very good. But but it's just it's important, you know. And, and the Holy Father is just saying, you know, what, as you look out and you realize, like John Paul in Evangelium Vitae talked about with euthanasia. Mm -hmm. So we got the same thing. Is you know, if we have a culture, what he called the culture of death, that doesn't see the value and the beauty of life, and doesn't see the meaningful purpose of life, and doesn't see its full spectrum of what it offers and what life really is and what it, we're moving toward and what we're participating in, then we're gonna to get to the end of life and if I didn't value life here and I was close to life and I was selfish here, what would things gonna happen over here? So when there's a demand upon me to care for my mother, my father, my mm -hmm. sister, that, that same mentality is there. And so it's important to, to, to see you know, how this unmasks itself uh, in, in, in human life. Mm -hmm. And, and those, like I said, those numbers are telling of a deeper systemic issue. And, and that's why it's important and imperative upon, uh, upon all of us, all people of goodwill who, who see these goods and, and want to promote them, we need to start talking about them. We need people to write about them. We need our theologians to, 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 to teach about them. We need our pastors to preach about them. We need our, our Catholic writers and, and so forth. We need our parents. Now, everyone's got to come to this table and, and, to, and to talk. When I was off, when I was, and I still celebrate weddings periodically, mostly now for friends, because I I'm work uh, and serve Human Life International full time. So I'm not in parish life. So mm -hmm. I don't have uh, the availability that I once had. But in every you know, preparation, but especially during mass for the wedding, I, I mean, I talk about the beauty of marriage and I, and I talk about the beauty of, of children. And I even challenge the whole, the whole congregation you know, because there are many young couples out there, right. you know, and, and to say to them, don't, don't buy the narrative, you know, of, of the world. 
you know, you know, open yourself to what God wishes and what God is desiring and the wonder that God has created. And, 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 and many times at the reception, because I go to the reception, you know, for a while, and it's so wonderful. So most will come up and just have questions because mm-hmm. no one's talked to them about it before. No one's mentioned it to them before. And sometimes you get the, the, you know, the other side, and that's okay. But it, it opens up a conversation that, mm-hmm. that would not have happened if I had not brought up the conversation. Right. So we, we shouldn't be afraid of that. And, and so, uh, again, this is why I keep coming back to it, because it really is uh, an issue. And from, from another point of view, just so that we're honest here, you know, we've had many secular uh, personalities talk about the, oh, that's right. the, the, the other side of this equation, which we should not ignore. And that is, what are the consequences if we keep down this path? I brought it, we brought it up in the very beginning. What are the economic impact? Mm-hmm. You know, how does this affect you know the, the, our social services? The this whole is something spectrum. Elon Musk uh, of right. all people recently. Uh, um, right. Well, I guess you would maybe expect him to say interesting things, but uh, brought this uh, issue up, which is interesting because most billionaires are kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. Um, but uh, but he, sees, uh, yeah, yeah. he sort of sees the data. He's just looking at it from that practical, pragmatic, exactly. economic standpoint. Um, exactly. That it's unsustainable. And demographers actually you know, speak about you know, uh, that there is a point where it tips so far down that there's no recovery. Mm-hmm. So now, what that, I've, I've seen many different numbers, and so I don't need to bring that up in here. But I mean, because I'm not seeing something that really says this is the number. Right. You know, a lot of things play into that. But we should not ignore that there, there comes a point you know, where there may be no recovery, you know, for a given culture, for a given, you know, country, you know, that they, they, if they keep, and if you look in Asia, some of the lowest, you know, uh, total fertility rates, birth rates, replacement levels are the lowest in Asia. I mean, in, in, in Eastern Europe, you know, in Europe as a whole, right. you know, and, and we, we, we deal with these numbers. We talk about these issues in our, in our mission field. But you look at Japan and you look at, you know, other places within that Asian uh, Oceania community, they're very, very low. And so it's, it's, it's very scary, you know, to realize that an aging population is occurring and the replacement is not there. And so what, what is this, what's the impact, you know, to that aging population who have worked so hard, sacrificed so much, you know, and made choices, you know, and, uh, and so here they, here they are now where there's no, no one below them. They've not, some of them, some, to the point where they're literally hovering about one. And again, it's a lack of posterity. Um, right. So, uh, Father, I wanted to talk, uh, you brought up your, the quote from Viktor Frankl that you um, had in your, one of your articles, uh, Children and the Meaningful Life. I'm going to match you with a quote of my own. Sure. Uh, as, as, because it was from G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite authors. Uh, this was from an essay of his uh, in defense of baby worship. Sure. That's uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, The two facts which attract almost every normal person to children are, first, that they are very serious, and secondly, that they are, in consequence, very happy. They are jolly with the completeness which is possible only in the absence of humor. The most unfathomable schools and sages have never attained to the gravity which dwells in the eyes of a baby of three months old. Uh, It is the gravity of astonishment at the universe, and astonishment at the universe is not mysticism, but a transcendent common sense. The fascination of children lies in this, that with each of them, all things are remade and the universe is put again upon its trial. As we walk the streets and see below us those delightful bulbous heads, three times too big for the body, 
which mark these human mushrooms, mm -hmm. we ought always primarily to remember that within every one of these heads there is a new universe as new as it was on the seventh day of creation. In each of those orbs there is a new system of stars, new grass, new cities, a new sea. Um, this is a beautiful meditation on, on what, what it really means because we talk all the time about the sanctity of life, the dignity of human life, you know, the beauty of, of new life, openness to it. You know, it, 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 it seems to me that kind of a denigration of childbirth and, and more children is a denigration of personhood and, and the newness of, of creation, like G.K. Chesterton mentioned, in new life, an unrepeatable person, right. like scientifically unrepeatable in the DNA and everything. Right. Um, that, that it seems to me that uh, how can we, it's, it's a lack of wonder, a selfishness, I don't know, some kind of closed offness. How, do, how, do, how, how does that, that seems to be a, a spiritual issue to kind of broach that with people, sure. um, yeah. sort of like a, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe we can, we can look at it a couple of ways, and this may be a way of trying to, you know, connect it to another uh, spectrum of, of conversation. Yeah. That would be, you know, when you ask, you know, in, like in the mission field in Africa, I'll often ask, meeting with religious, mm -hmm. what, made you, what made you decide uh, to, to respond to this call? Inevitably, because sister so-and-so was so happy. Mm -hmm. In other words, the reason why I'm bringing it and compare it to this is the wonder of life. Right. The beauty of that individual, the impact of that single individual, the wonder that that individual brings to all of creation, mm -hmm. the, the, the skill, the ability, the creation, uh, the, 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 the creativity, all that this child and this person is going to bear mm -hmm. in that life, the impact of that one individual is something we should not ever, ever diminish or take for granted in the realization that each one has so much to bring to, to the human family, mm -hmm. and to see that awe, which a child does, you know, and a child brings, you know, and I, I, and I often say this as well in, in these kinds of conversation, that, you know, our young people need the wisdom and the wonder of our, of our, of our elderly and our, and our older people who have walked the path of life, experienced different things. They bring that wisdom to bear, but our older people need the, the creativity, the joy, the wonder, the energy, the vitality, all that the, the young bring. So to me, I, 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 when I consider what Chesterton says, you know, I, I look at that in all of its wonder. Mm -hmm. And to really, like you said, Ted, each person is irreplaceable, irrepeatable. And, and that, you know, to, to lose a life, you know, to, uh, and just naturally, is we, we, are, we are far greater for having had this life but we now are less for not having this life present to us. Mm -hmm. and, and so we, we keep their memories alive because they were of great value. And so this is something that we need to really also consider as we have these kinds of conversations mm -hmm. and so that we see the value of life, the wonder of that life. So again, I just return you know, to, to, to back to the beginning with those numbers a little bit just to, to kind of help our audience just to, in a sense, by hearing me say it again and again, might make us really question our says, what's my understanding? Well, you know, am I aware of what makes these numbers really what they are? What feeds these numbers? What's, what's creating these numbers to be so low? What's the mentality out there? What's, what's the systemic reasons that have brought us to this, the, to this pivotal moment? And I would say that this is a, a pivotal moment. In the United States, it's about five years now that we have been below the fertility rate. We're burying more people than we're giving birth to. And what masks this is immigration, right? Mm -hmm. So the numbers in population 
seem you know, to be steadily rising and so forth. But that's immigration feeding those numbers. It's not the actual birth of children. Right. You know, so, and, and so we're reaching a point where you know, the, the, these consequences are going to, and that's what Musk is talking about. You know, he's looking at it, you know, you know, a person who is in the commercial business. He's looking at it from an economic point of view, a financial point of view. And you know, we, we should not ignore that. I mean, that is real. You know, and the various, you know, all of us who appreciate the value of health care, we appreciate the value of our education system here in the United States. We appreciate our infrastructures. We appreciate getting and driving on a nice interstate. Well, what, what makes all those things possible? What makes, what, 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 what funds all these programs? Mm-hmm. It's money. And where, that doesn't just come off a tree, all right? And, and, and so I don't want to also make the human person into a thing. We're not saying that at all either. A person is not a commodity, and we shouldn't treat human life that way. But mm-hmm. there's value in work. There's value in labor, value in the person, and what they contribute in the skills and the talents and all that they bring into this conversation. So and I, in a way, even though uh, Musk is not talking about the spiritual components and the, and the dignity component, he is bringing up you know, the fact that those issues are part of that conversation. It hinges on the same question. Amen. Yeah. Okay, Father. Well, thank you very much. I think I just have one last question. Sure. Um, if you could, maybe there's uh, people in our audience who are discerning uh, marriage or young Catholic couples, young, uh, maybe not Catholics, just young couples uh, wondering about um, whether to have children or not. Can what advice do you have for them? What encouragement do you have for them to, 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 to embrace so, openness? To so to couples who are preparing, you know, let's say that they're, they're right now just casually, you know, dating, deciding where, where life has taken them. First of all, if you feel within your prayer and your heart that, that marriage is what you feel called to and this is what you're, you're moving toward, this is the time to start praying for that, that, that individual that, that person that you're going to be able to spend your life with and share your life with and to live a sacramental life with, to live a life in God, in the beauty of marriage. Start praying, you know, and being open to that person, you know, and it may not always fit, you know, the little box that people create for themselves, but to be open and to pray that one's vision will, will see that and recognize that individual and, and respond, you know, generously mm-hmm. to that. And, and then for couples that already you know, moving toward marriage, and maybe they're, they're now into that stage where they, they've made a commitment, they might be engaged. You know, this is also the time, you know, to start really, and hopefully they already have been, but mm-hmm. now that they are moving in that stage, just to start praying. You know, you know Lord, we're, you know, we're open, you know, to, to the beauty of life. We want to be a family, we want to have children. And so it's not a question of praying, you know, for a number. The question really, or the issue really is, it's just, Expressing an openness and trusting God and trusting, you know, that we'll use our gifts wisely and prudently and, and that we will be good stewards, you know, of ourselves and couple and, and welcoming, you know, what God may and what we may think may be the, some kind of, uh, kind of number. Again, I'm not pushing number by any means. But, but to be open, you know, not, not, not to even consider that. I mean, it's good to talk about. I mean, a great, great story you hear from so many couples uh, in, that I've come to know over the years and say, you know, when we start first dating, we talked about, you know, being open to, you know, three or four, maybe, you know, children. And, and you know, and, and, and here we are now with seven or eight later. And, and so grateful that we, we did this. And then, 
you know, and so, but again, it's not a question of the number. The question is really is the openness, the receptivity, mm. the, the self-giving that, that marriage is and in the conjugal act that is always welcoming and always open and always receiving, you know. And, and, and it's a mystery too because absolutely. it's God's work, right, absolutely. That, that really brings absolutely. a new life. And, and to realize that, you know, that's what I would encourage couples preparing, couples that are married, you know, and maybe, you know, so let's start with couples who are struggling with infertility. The church has some beautiful teaching on this and some moral guidance. And I would encourage couples that may be struggling with infertility that may not even be aware of what the church teaches morally on these issues and the guidance that the church offers. That, you know, if there's a question, you know, it'd be very good for them to, to look into what does the church say and what does the church offer. And she does offer some wonderful uh, uh, assistance in assisting couples in, in, the, in, in, in having children morally. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that are immoral that are out there, like in vitro fertilization, and you know, those things- Surrogacy. Exactly, other, we need mm -hmm. to make sure that these are off the table and you know, they're not morally permissible and not morally sound, and so we need to make sure we help couples. And then those couples that, you know, that are uh, uh, open to children and you know, maybe ha already have a couple of children and thinking, hey, we're done, you know, I, want, I want to just challenge it, you know, I'm, again, I'm not going to talk about a number, but just to, not to be closed, you know, you know to, to be open to the, to the beauty of life. And I, I, there's so many stories I could share, time doesn't permit, but you know, I remember this one couple in particular I'm thinking of right now, their, their youngest child is graduating this year from high school, and I knew I baptized almost all their children uh, but one. And, uh, and I jokingly, and, and it's jokingly in the family that I'm the reason, you know, for quote, the last two, uh, and not from the reason, you know, from a, uh, uh, other than by a prayerful encouragement, uh -huh. of course. <laughs> but I mean, but I always question, watch how you say that in public forums. But, yeah. but the idea of, our priests need to encourage, and, and I did, you know, and I didn't do it in a public forum. I didn't make fun of them, but I just said, you know, don't be afraid. You know, you, mm -hmm. you might think that, you know, that the number of your family is now coming to an end. Don't be afraid. Don't you know, be open and to hear them today saying, what would life be like without these two blessings that we had beyond what we thought? Mm -hmm. and, and, and they're grateful and they're grateful. And then again, at the same time is where the church comes in. We have families that really struggle. They, they really have a difficult time. This is, goes back to, to the me. What am I doing to help? You know, and, and help families that maybe have difficulty. Maybe they have a large family having difficulties, you know, with that family. Where do we come in? How do we help our neighbor? How do we help our families? How do we support them? So this is a conversation that has to happen in our parishes, in our dioceses, as a church, as a community, you know, and, and to realize that, you know, it's how do we help each other, support each other, and, and not having a cashier make fun of you because you come in with five or six or four children and, and, and be belittled because you are making too much of a footprint, you know, in their judgment, you know, where, and, and so we need to counteract that. And, you know, and I'll, I'll tell, and I think it's so important that, you know, that we support our families. And so I'm, I'm, thank you, Tad, for bringing up that, that point, because we need to walk with people from the, those early days, you know, and, and talking about abstinence and, 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 and chastity. And then, you know, if we're moving toward a vocation to married life, what does that look like? How do I respond to to quote unquote dating, when do I start dating? All those things, you know, we, we need to be there to walk with those journeys. And our Newman centers and many of our Catholic universities do a fantastic job with this as well. And so, but we need to continue to build, you know, those conversations. And I really believe that the more that the church 
through her ministries, through the goodwill of people, we can support families. We'll see those numbers change. Because we'll, it's like anything else, like the religious sister. Why did you become a sister? Yeah, God called me. That's the first one. But because Sister Josephine, Sister you know, Anne, was so happy, so happy. it was infectious. Mm-hmm. What about couples when, uh, who have these, who, with children, are they infectious? You know, mm-hmm. do they, did they give a joy mm-hmm. you know, to others that says, I'm open to that too. Right. And that's, that's the right. part we have to keep doing in encouragement. So, so I thank you for having a, a conversation with me today about this. And Absolutely. I'm hoping yes. that thank you know, the you, people Father. that are listening, you know, are, we, we've stirred up some conversation, maybe some questions, and, uh, and maybe they'll do a little research on their own. But uh, I think it's a conversation that, Tad, you and I will have more and more as we, uh, as we do more of these, uh, these moments on our, on our podcast because it is a very important conversation to have. Absolutely. And, and to not allow the narrative of our culture to tell us where to go and how to live. And, 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 and this is a good opportunity. So thank you very much. Thank you, Father. And um, yeah, I think we can close with that. Um, thank you for watching the Culture of Life podcast from Human Life International. Uh, everyone, please like and subscribe. Uh, like this video, subscribe to the channel, and um, check out any links in the description. Have a good day, everyone. God bless.